Good evening. Tonight we're in Genesis 25. And this is really the end of the road for Abraham. Now, I know we were talking a bit about this last week. We've, we've spent so many weeks on Abraham's journey. Tonight, before we get started, though, I want to kind of take a step back and talk about kind of studying the Bible, because tonight we're going to have a couple of, of examples, I think, of what I think a lot of people consider barriers to studying the Bible. And, and I think when, when a new Christian, maybe even a non-Christian, or even, even Christians today crack open the Bible, they, they commonly have a, two or three different, I would say, um, you know, opinions that they consider barriers to the Bible. We're going to talk about a couple of those tonight because chapter 25 and 26, I think, illustrate some of those. The first barrier I think people have to the Bible is the terminology. And then we're going to hit that head on. And, and I've already asked Laura ahead of time, before we even start tonight, to read chapter 25 because Genesis chapter 25 contains a number of names from the past that are, you know, essentially difficult to pronounce and understand. And I think that's the first barrier that some people have to studying the scriptures is it's foreign to them. They crack it open. They start to read these names, these places, these words, these concepts, and they don't really understand what they mean. And it's not always clear why they're there. And, and so that's the first thing I want to talk about tonight before we get started. The second is the cultural piece. A lot of what happens in the Bible, while it is religious material absolutely targeting us today as Christians, it also has a secondary role to play in a cultural uh, how do I say this, communication to a, a people who are no longer here. In a way, the Hebrews of 2000 BC, they're not here anymore. Uh, their descendants are the Jews. We are those descendants by adoption, essentially. But a lot of the places we read and the people we read about really have very little context to us today. And certainly that's true for a lot of the cultural practices. Now, last week we talked about things like dowries and um, marriage gifts. We talk about priest kings. We talk about the, the king of, an, of a region is really just the richest person who owns the most land. All of that stuff is kind of foreign to us today. And so when people read the Bible and they start to read this stuff, that can also, I think, be a barrier to it. <clears throat> The third thing, and it kind of relates to the name thing, is the scriptures were written in languages that are not English. So the Old Testament, written primarily in Hebrew, we think the original text texts of the Old Testament were Hebrew. Later towards, I would say, the um, <clears throat> 5th, 4th, and 3rd centuries BC, that became Aramaic. There's some Aramaic in there, which is a, a different yet related language to Hebrew, it's actually very close to what's called Syrian today. Um, and then, as you get past that into the Hellenistic period, it was Greek. And so, all of the New Testament, except for quotes of people of the period who spoke Aramaic, it's all Greek. And so, what I'm trying to get at here is, <clears throat> of course, I think those three things lead to people seeing the, the Bible as a barrier. That is exactly why we have a class like this, so that I can, and, and all of us can help to discuss and explain why are those weird things in there that I don't understand, 
so that we can help make it uh, much easier for people to read the, uh, the Holy Scriptures, to understand the core concepts of what's written in them, and get past all of that. Because to some degree, those three things that I mentioned, while they're very interesting, and they help shed light on why we're reading what we're reading, and they help kind of fill in the big picture, they're not really that important for us to understand the core root concepts of what God is trying to tell us. His concepts of redemption. His concept of sin, his concept of creation, that he created us, and we are created in his image. All of those things are very important, but those things that I just mentioned can kind of be side issues that can often derail people, and then they kind of, you know, they go off on these tangents. Tonight we're going to talk about that. So I think the first thing that I'll say here about Genesis 25, specifically about those barriers, is the names of the people. Much, I would say much of Genesis was written to help Hebrews and Jews understand where they came from. So Genesis has a lot of weird names in it. It has people names, and those people names are related to place names. What we are going to read tonight in chapter 25 is essentially the author of Genesis trying to explain this is where your neighbors came from, Israel. (laughs) If you are an Israelite, you were the first audience of the material of the book of Genesis. The author, who we think was at least partially Moses, he was at least the editor and compiler of this, the author and authors, what they were trying to convey was, we want to tell you where you came from. We want to tell you metaphysically, and that's what we've talked about as creation, right? Genesis 1 and 2 essentially... The metaphysical creation, uh, spiritual creation of the world, the universe, and you as God's children, but also physically, you are an Israelite living in a region that we call today Israel, was called Canaan in the past, or Palestine. Why do you have those neighbors? (laughs) Why are they at war with us? Why do they have these weird names? The authors of Genesis are trying to explain that to you very simply. Here, in chapter 25, is another example of, you're a a Hebrew, an Israelite, we're going to explain to you how your neighbors came about to be your neighbors, and why they came about to be in conflict with you. So, um, many of the neighbors who surround the Israel region were in conflict with the Israelites throughout their entire history. And these will be names that you will know. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon... There will be names that you might not know. Aram, Edom, Moab, Ammon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, the name Ammon persists today. The Ammonites lived where the town, the city of Ammon, Jordan is today. That was kept all the way till today. But some of them are gone. Moab, Edom, they're gone from history But if you were an Israelite living in the past, what we are about to read and have been reading will mean a lot to you. So that's why I say we're going to go through this, and I'm actually going to have Laura read the name. Sometimes I'm going to skip over this. Sometimes I'm not. Today I'm not. Because I just want you to get the sense it's okay to read the Bible and to to hear those three things and be okay with it. I'm going to hear names I don't know. I'm going to read about cultural practices Mm -hmm. I may not understand fully. And... I'm going to read about uh, uh, cultural uh, people, groups, customs, and, and, and specifically descendants that really uh, 
with names, I have no idea what they mean. And what I'm telling you tonight is, always when you read something like that, put it aside and say, okay, I'm going to find out from a very smart person or people what those mean, but I'm going to try and derive what the core meaning of God is telling me here theologically is. And I think if you do that, that helps free you from being tied to, oh, I just started reading the Bible. Mom, I just started reading the Bible, and the first thing I read was Leshuites and Lemonites and Midianites and Ephanites. And of course, you're going to be like stuck in the mud, and I'm trying to get you out of the mud. I'm trying to get you to just keep going. Keep going until you get to something theologically important, and you can always come back to something like this. Mm-hmm. So, any questions before we kick it off? That should be pretty straightforward. So, yeah. Laura, you want to go ahead and read Genesis 25 for us? <clears throat> Abraham married again, and his new wife was Keturah. She gave birth to Zimran, Jokshan, Midian, or Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. Dedan's descendants were the people of Assyria, Latush, and Lum. The sons of Midian were Ephath, Ephor, Hanak, Ebeda, and Elda. All these were descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owed to Isaac. But before Abraham died, he did give gifts to the sons of his other wives and sent them to the east to be away from Isaac. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. He breathed his last breath and died at an old age after a long and satisfying life. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron east of Mamre. Ephron was the son of Zoar the Hittite. So Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah in the very same field that he had bought from the Hittites. After Abraham died, God blessed his son Isaac. Isaac was now living at Beer Lahaiwa. This is the family history of Ishmael, Abraham's son. Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian servant, was Ishmael's mother. These are the names of Ishmael's sons in the order they were born. Nebaioth, the first son, then Kedar, Abdiel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Naphish, and Kedema. These were Ishmael's sons, and these are the names of the tribal leaders listed according to their settlements and camps. Ishmael lived 137 years and then breathed his last breath and died. His descendants lived from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt, stretching towards Assyria. They often attacked the descendants of his brothers. This is the family history of Isaac. Abraham had a son named Isaac. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, who came from northwest Mesopotamia. She was Bethuel's daughter and the sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac's wife could not have children. So Isaac prayed to the Lord for her. The Lord heard Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant. While she was pregnant, the baby struggled inside her. She asked, Why is this happening to me? And then she went to get an answer from the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your body, and two groups of people will be taken from you. One group will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came, Rebekah gave birth to twins. The first baby was born red. Since his skin was like a hairy robe, he was named Esau. When the second baby was born, he was holding onto Esau's heel, so that baby was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skilled hunter. He loved to be out in the fields, but Jacob was a quiet man and stayed among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he hunted the wild animals that Isaac enjoyed eating, but Rebekah loved Jacob. One day, Jacob was boiling a pot of vegetable soup. Esau came in from hunting in the fields, weak from hunger. 
So Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red soup because I am weak with hunger. That is why people called him Edom. But Jacob said, You must sell me your rights as the firstborn son. Esau said, I am almost dead from hunger. If I die, all of my father's wealth will not help me. But Jacob said, First, promise me that you will give it to me. So Esau made a promise to Jacob and sold his part of their father's wealth to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and vegetable soup and he ate and drank, and then left. So Esau showed how little he cared about his rights as the firstborn son. Before I ask you what's the point, or, or meaning, a theological meaning, I'll get back to very quickly what I just spoke about here. The Israelites, Hebrews, hearing this, reading this, are going to know, oh, that's where Edom came from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where uh, Midian came from. And just for a social context, again, these are all the people surrounding Israel in that region. Edom, very important, is kind of to the southeast of Israel. Edomia is its name by the first century, and that's where uh, we think Judas came from. All of the others were either Judean or, or Galilean followers of Christ, except for Judas, who was from Edomia. Okay, what is the point or points of Genesis 25? Lots of points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of Fire points. away, yes. Cool. Jacob's really good at making soup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Must be good soup. Delicious. Worth your birthright, I guess. How's your soup, Mike? Uh, is that good? Well, he married this Keturah, or Abraham married Keturah, and then had these children. But um, in the first paragraph, it, that uh, Isaac was really the child of promise, you know, from Abraham. And so he gave Isaac his mean inheritance of it. He did give the others gifts, but sent them far away yes. to the east. Yes. So they wouldn't be fighting, I think. That's it. Probably That's ship it. them away, far away. We we know that promogeniture exists in this period. That means <clears throat> typically your eldest son would inherit all that you have. And in fact, um, there's difference, difference in opinion about this. Um, sometimes it would be said that the the firstborn would inherit a double portion, mm-hmm. and then um, the other sons might get a single portion. Certainly, with the matriarch of the family, that would be the line of of men who would get most, if not all, of the blessing. Now, here we have an example where <laughs> we don't have the matriarch as the mother of all of the offspring of Abraham. Remember, Hagar is the mother of Ishmael. And this Keturah is now the mother of a number of people. And so, yes, Craig, I think that's exactly what's happening here. Um, Abraham is making it very clear that when he leaves this planet, it's Isaac. Because God told him, and because he believes this, Isaac will inherit essentially, you know, we say, quote, everything. It's obvious that he did give these boys, men probably, something but it certainly wasn't the inheritance. It wouldn't be the land. It wouldn't be the rights to the land. It wouldn't be the rights to probably most of the flocks that they had. They probably end up leaving with just some money, uh, maybe a few cattle, uh, something like that, maybe some jewelry, and that would be all. So, mm-hmm. what else? 
that um, when we get to learn about the the descendants of Abraham, yeah. we learn that there's now a new set of different. You know, Isaac has children, but also yep. we have learned that um, Isaac talks to the Lord like that he yes. prayed to him. When did he talk to the Lord? <laughs> After uh, they found out Rebecca couldn't have children, then he prayed so that Rebecca would be able to have children. Now we don't. Again, I caution. The absence of evidence, it's not evidence of absence. We don't know that Isaac didn't talk to God before this, but we do know when he did. And he definitely did when Rebekah turns out to be barren. Remember, Isaac gets married when he's 40. When he has his children, he's 60. So that's a 20-year gap. 20-year gap. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing the math, it turns out this is a little out of order. Um, the second half of Genesis 25 actually comes chronologically before the first. If you do the math, Abraham has Isaac when he's 100 years old. <clears throat> Abraham dies when he's 175, which means he dies when Isaac is 75. Isaac had kids when he was how old? 60. So that means Abraham was alive when Jacob and Esau were born. And he saw them grow to teenagers, and this culture would have been manhood. So that's kind of wonderful, actually. If you think about this, that means God intentionally, probably, kept Abraham alive long enough to see his grandchildren. To know mm -hmm. he was going to get that inheritance. And it's like double, right? Because he only had Isaac, yes. and then it's like double. To yes. Yeah. Children, you know? Yes. What else do you see here that's interesting? Well, it's interesting that you know Ishmael got sent away, but now he comes back for the burial yeah. of his father. It's it doesn't say that any of these other children that were just mentioned mm -hmm. came, but Ishmael, they were like co-barriers of, of their father. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, isn't it? There's a number of things you could think about that. Um, there are many theories you could come up with as to why he came back. Some make you feel good. Some don't. The fact is he did come back. And in this era, it would have been mm -hmm. difficult for him to make that journey. I think it says two things. One, Ishmael did care enough to come back for his own reasons. Secondly, there must have been some communication continuing between Isaac and the clan of Abraham and Ishmael and his group. It was ongoing. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. What else? Well, Rachel gets a revelation from the Lord. Yes. About her pregnancy. Yes. And she, why? Did he just come to her? Or what? Well, she asked him. Yes. Because they struggled inside her. How interesting. She directly inquired of the Lord, and he answered her. He answered her. <laughs> yeah. A woman. I think this is important, and I think a lot of people, um, I wouldn't say ignore this. I think it's not as, it's not as um, promoted as it should. God is a God of equal justice. God is a God who loves all of his children equally, no matter whether they're male or female. Women have a super important role to play in God's plan. Now, I'm going to just tell you right now, 
of the period, we're talking, you know, 2000 BC, it would have been very, very weird for a, a culture to have a story where God or the gods come and talk to a woman who is inquiring of them directly. Most of the cultures of Earth, I would say almost all, were very male-centric. The fact that God is putting women in his plan and showing that he cares about them, that he talks to them, and that they can come to him directly without having to go through their husbands, says a lot about him, I think. And what did he say? Two nations are in your womb, and one will be stronger than the other, and the, young, the older will serve the younger. So. Now, what does that mean to this culture? It's like another instance where God, you know, doesn't pick. He picks people based on who he wants yes. and their characteristics, not on what the culture would necessarily pick. Like, it's not the yes. oldest who's going to get it. It's yeah. God is with Same with Isaac, because yep. Ishmael was, mm-hmm. I mean, but Ishmael was illegitimate. I mean, but still, he was the oldest, yeah. but right. he was overlooked mm-hmm. or, or you yeah. know, jumped over, I guess, yeah. and then. They're going to do it again, and then it would be countercultural. And Jacob's sons, yes. it would be the same thing, too. This is, this is countercultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The opposite of culture. Yeah. And it's not the only instance, like you said, it happened to Isaac. It will happen to Jacob. It happens to many people in the Old, and, you know, and essentially the New Testament, mostly the Old Testament, where the oldest doesn't mean you get it all. In fact, um, it doesn't happen that way a lot, actually. Jacob means heel grabber. Again, a cultural <laughs> reference. You'd look at that and be like, oh, that's silly because he grabbed his heel. But in that culture, it was a euphemism. The Hebrew culture of this period, heel grabber meant you're a trickster. Because <laughs> you're trying to trip them, I think is the idea. You're trying to trip them up and, and, and you know, essentially trick, confuse them. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know... Um, uh, it also means heel grabber. I mean, it, it's literal and figurative, which I like about this. And then you see kind of some familial dy- dynamics here in the mm-hmm. last sentence that Isaac uh, loved Esau because he was a hunter and he loved yeah. eating his game. And then Rebecca loved Jacob just because of his ways. It's kind of so interesting. So you set the stage for some family strife and tensions. Yes. In, I think in somewhere in James that he talks about partiality, which mm. causes a lot of strife yeah. for people in their actions, yes. showing partiality to others. You know, and there's a good example with familial tension there. This is a good application point, actually, Craig. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's true. Favoritism can cause mm-hmm. a lot more harm than good. Mm-hmm. It's your natural instinct as a human to be fav- right to favor right. someone, but. For to be jealous or envious or, or coveting that, yes. that, that state and status. Mm-hmm. What does it tell you about Esau? <laughs> and I'm going to say one thing before you answer that. I think God knew how hard it is to maintain his word and tell you as much as he possibly can through his written word 
as quickly and as accurately as possible. This will come up in the next chapter, actually. I think God is very efficient with his communication. In just literally a few sentences, you know who Isaac is, you know who Jacob is, you know who Esau is, and you know who Rebecca is. You do. And you didn't have to write a book about each one. You only needed a few sentences, but yet I think we as humans can suddenly very quickly understand who we're talking about here. Who is Esau? Or Edom? Hunter. A hungry hunter. Hunter. Hungry hunter. <laughs> yes. With a big seems, appetite. Yes. It seems impulsive. Impulsive. I like how the very last of it says Esau showed how little he cared about his rights as the firstborn son. That's it. The author of Hebrews will go even further. Um... But yes, think about that. Yes, how little he cares. He's impulsive. In my version it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. Mm-hmm. And that's, the author of Hebrews will say that Esau was a godly, a godless person. A godless mm-hmm. person. Now, that's, you know, 2,000 years later, but the author of Hebrews obviously getting divine revelation. It seems as though Esau not just is impulsive, he doesn't care about his birthright, it seems as though he's kind of rejecting this whole thing. He's kind of rejecting this whole religion of his of his family here. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you wonder, like, because Rebecca knew that the older's going to serve the younger, because God mm-hmm. told her. So you got to assume she's told Jake, or, um, sorry, Isaac. Isaac this. And then how much have they told their children? Does Esau already know that Good he's going to not have the birthday? You know? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that... I don't know. I find it interesting that Isaac loved, you know, mm-hmm. Esau more. Yeah. Because he didn't know, yeah. you know. Yeah. He got, he got him some good food. Yeah. Good drug. <laughs> this, this is delicious. You kind of get a picture of, you know, he's been the one, he's been the favorite, mm-hmm. right? So he's always had everything he ever needed, you mm-hmm. know, and why would he ever think that it would be any different? He's never had to really do anything except, yeah. Go out hunting, yeah. make dad happy, mm-hmm. everything's good. And so it's it's almost like, you know, he has no idea what mm-hmm. it's like to not or to, to want. Mm-hmm. So it's just, that's kind of, I mean, it's not much of a paragraph, yep. like you said, but that's the feeling you get. We'll see this again with uh, Jacob's children, his second to last born, Joseph will be almost the same thing loved passionately by in this you know that case both parents so much so again it causes enmity between him and his brothers so much so that it caused jake uh, joseph to go on a huge adventure (laughs) divergent from what he thought he was going to live god's plan of course but okay i've always kind of felt like esau felt like it didn't really matter what he did because he felt like I can promise you this, but it's not. I don't really feel like it's going to mm-hmm. change anything. Kind of going mm-hmm. along with like what Mike said. Mm-hmm. You know? That's just kind of the feel I've always got. Like He's like, yeah, I can promise it away, but I'll still get it anyway in the end. Well, think about it. Time is passing here. How, much, how, many, to- how many years passes? And maybe you hear this over and over, and maybe it doesn't happen. Yeah. 
That's the other thing he's saying. Well, what's it matter what's going to happen in 100 years? Mm-hmm. Or 75 years. Or yeah. Years. Yeah. Esau, I think, was kind of a, a someone who was driven by the flesh. You know, I mean, yeah. just his needs, his hunger, mm-hmm. loved hunting, just did what he liked to do. Yeah. Yes. Primal instincts, maybe. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, Jacob, obviously, maybe a more cerebral and uh, passive character. But it also shows Jacob's nature is tricky. Ah, it is tricky. Schemer. He is. And that's it. He's, he is a schemer. He's smart. He knew. He, he must have known. That's exactly it. He's like, I, I know how I'm going to get this guy. Well, and I, I kind of hear what you're saying, Laura, and think it's probably true. At some point, that probably slips out that the younger will serve the older. If if not overtly, maybe there was an undertone there. Well, and Rebecca was the one, even if Rebecca never mm-hmm. told Isaac, Rebecca's favorite was Jacob, yeah. the younger. Yeah. So you That know. would have been obvious, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it could have been a conversation between Rebecca and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> Your time's coming. He'll be right. serving you. Yeah. Let's go ahead and read the next chapter. Let's go ahead and jump into Genesis chapter 26 and continue this. Who would like to read that for me tonight? Now, there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to you your offspring all I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. <clears throat> so Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, My wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, 
Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. <clears throat> so he called the name of the well Isaac, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. <clears throat> from there he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and will bless you abundantly, and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. <clears throat> when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you, so we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast. They ate and drank. In the morning they arose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That day Isaac's servants came <clears throat> and told him about the well that they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimuth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Thank you. Where have we heard some of this before? Well, Abraham did it twice. <laughs> exactly. But Abraham could say that Sarah was his sister, where... Yeah, this is stretching it. They're cousins, I think. They're yeah. not sister. They're not even half. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So it's different too. <laughs> yeah. and was that? I wonder if that was a cultural thing. Like, were they mm -hmm. the all? You know, other people probably did that too when they were traveling. You wonder. It's it a good. Or I don't know. That's a good question. Is it unique to this? Family? I don't know. That's an excellent question, Stacy. It's uh, it's certainly not the right thing to say. Right. So, it's interesting that he would say it. Go ahead, Mike. I don't know. 
no, it's interesting that God, you know, he, God had told him that mm-hmm. to go here, and then he goes there, and then he feels like he's got to lie. Even yeah. though God already told him, so he's having yeah. the same struggle. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it goes to show he's having the same struggle yeah. as Graham. Yeah. Like, I trust God, but uh, I don't know how much I trust. It's kind of the... So the, this... This is this is the Brian Freeman view of the universe. Why is this here? And why is it so similar? You even have the same character names, Abimelech and Phicol. That was exactly the same names 90 years earlier that Abraham ran into with the Philistines. It's a drought, a famine, probably caused by a drought. Mm-hmm. They are thinking of going to Egypt. There's this issue of being in enemy territory and you know the, the Abimelech uh, and and the Philistines seeing how beautiful the wife is I mean it, it, there's so many similarities but there are differences this is this is the Brian Freeman view of the world it gets back to why is it so similar you can have a hundred different theories about it this is what I think it gets back to that thing I said a few minutes ago that I believe God very intelligently tries to bake in as much information as he can into the simplest words possible when he's talking about the transmission of the written scriptures. How do I convey to the world that Isaac is very similar to Abraham? How do I confer that I have a relationship with Isaac? How do I confer that Isaac has a relationship with me? How do I confer that Isaac is going to be faithful yet flawed? I think it's beautiful poetry to do it this way. Because, again, I don't have to spend a whole bunch of books and chapters and tons of material explaining this to you. What can I do? I can, and if you believe this happened, which I do, that it's not poetry, I can just have the same circumstances happen to Isaac and then see how he reacts. And he reacts the same way. Now that tells the world something. It tells the world that Isaac is very much like Abraham. He's very much like Abraham. He seems to have a very similar temperament. He seems to have the same kind of flawed but but focused faith path. Something that's important here is God is talking to him. Remember, look, the Lord appeared to Isaac. And he actually spoke directly to him. So we know that God and Isaac are in direct communication with each other. (laughs) He appeared a second time. And all this time he's kind of reaffirming these oaths. It's kind of like, I made these oaths and these promises to Abraham. I am now going to pick that oath up. I'm going to set it down in Isaac's lap because Abraham's gone now. In just one chapter, that all kind of comes out. It all seems very clear to us. Isaac is not completely different than Abraham. He's not super full of faith and trusting and, and perfect. He's also not Ishmael. He's also not Esau. He didn't go out and marry a bunch of Hittite wives, which again, it's a weird thing. To the audience here, that would have been a huge red flag. You don't marry foreign people because they draw you into their religion and their culture and they draw you away from Yahweh. But there are differences. What are some of the differences? Well, the um, Philistines were not struck with any sort of yes. plague that yeah. we 
it doesn't say that they were struck with any right. plague. Um, mm-hmm. It says, that, and it, they found, but God made it so that they found out that Rebecca wasn't his sister. Yes. Just by visually seeing them right. together, that they didn't mm-hmm. have to, you know, it didn't go as extreme as, you know, Pharaoh bringing Sarah into his, like, yeah. harem or whatever. <laughs> this time that it stopped before yes. any of that happened. And the and and crux of this is, is verse 10. Abimelech says, What is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife. Now that is really important. That's in there. Why? Like well, because it didn't happen. happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it means... It, she's innocent. It didn't happen. Yes. And innocent meaning what? Right. She's... Not going to be carrying someone else's child. That is super important. That is the crux of this whole thing. God, the author of Genesis, wants to make it super clear to us, the Israelites, she never got pregnant with a Philistine baby, so you can trust that all of her offspring, Rebecca's offspring, will be Isaac's, Mm -hmm. not another man's, and that's Mm -hmm. super important. Some really interesting stuff about Isaac here. Like as you get down kind of into eleven and twelve, what? Who is Isaac? <laughs> he gets to be like his father. He gets yes. to be very mm-hmm. influential and wealthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that causes a lot of jealousy. Yes. So. Yes. But that happened. That also happened to Abraham. Yes. So. Same. Issues that they're running into. Yeah, Isaac. the Philistines had envied him, and then yeah. said that the Philistines were uh, filling in the wells that his father had done. And that goes beyond just being envious. That's like bitter. Right. That's like I'm going to lash out. Yeah, and remember, we're in a culture where your well is your life. This is a very arid region. If you don't have access to fresh water, there right. weren't just waterfalls everywhere. You would die, and your livestock would certainly perish. That's a big deal. Mm. Yes. Yeah. In this chapter we also see like two yeah you said it before but there's two instances where god appears to <clears throat> isaac and he makes a come you know he yeah. is basically making a covenant with him yeah. showing him that like i made this covenant with your father but mm-hmm. you are the come like it's with you too yes copy so paste in a way confusing about it like for Correct. sure you're the covenant you know mm-hmm. keeper so. this is super important because it says a couple of things about God and about the Israelites. About God, remember, there was no indication earlier with Abraham that this was a conditional covenant. Abraham, remember the, the cutting of the, of, the, uh, of the animals and walking between them. God walked between them. It was almost as if to say, this is an unconditional promise. There are no strings attached. I am giving you the land and your offspring... Have a nice day. But he did it, and this this gets at the cause and effect thing, I think. I don't think he picked Abraham just randomly. I think he picked Abraham because he knew Abraham was the kind of guy who would be faithful to him. Now here, he actually says, and it's very interesting, I, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. Mm -hmm. Stop. Now, 
you can say to yourself, ah, it was conditional, but it's not. It's God knowing who Abraham was and knowing he could give him this covenant, knowing he could trust him because Abraham was going to trust God. Abraham trusted him, but there was never any indication that you are, you know, you have a role to play, and if you don't, I'm firing you. It wasn't a job. <laughs> and he had this checklist, and as long as he followed it, he was okay. For this covenant, it was unconditional. He stops there, too. He doesn't say anything about, now, Isaac, don't screw it up. Does he? There's no indication here that this is conditional with Isaac, either. This is, again, I think, very important from the author to say, this is going to happen no matter what. This is going to happen no matter what. And the second time in verse 25, Isaac hears what God says and yes. he builds an altar and worships yes. him. Yes. So he has a response yes. that, you know, mm-hmm. he acknowledges that God is God and he's going to worship him. Very much yeah. like Abraham. And again, that's there for a reason. The author wants you to know Isaac was a faithful and loving servant of God. Mm-hmm. Growing in his faith just as Abraham did. Not perfect. Not perfect. Well, he dug a couple of wells and they mm-hmm. apparently sabotage those and then their third the nasty well, philistines uh, <coughs> yeah the philistines did yeah and then the third one at Rehoboth uh, mm-hmm. was successful and he acknowledged that the, the lord had made room for them to be fruitful in the land he was giving thanks to the lord for that this is great. If you're an Israelite, you're like, oh, so that's where Rehoboth came from. He, obviously, the author is, is writing this knowing that his audience knows something about these. What is Essek? What is Sitna? What is Rehoboth or Sheba? You don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. The audience of Genesis of the period would have understood exactly, oh, that's why Beersheba is called Beersheba. Mm-hmm. That's why this, this well that everyone knows about is called Rehoboth. But to us... Theologically, what does it mean? What's our take home from this that we get out of as Christians in the new world 4,000 years later? That God provided. Yes. Yet there was much opposition to him, but he persisted and he succeeded. And so God's purposes are still fulfilled, even though there is opposition. Yes. Wasn't smooth sailing, was it? You can count on being having opposition. Yes. But. Yes. <laughs> it did succeed. But it succeeded. And you might even have a Bimelech come and be like, wait a minute, this guy's too good for us. Like, we better make peace with him so he doesn't, like, come attack come us. Yeah. Yeah. First they sent him away. Get out of here. You're too, <laughs> you're too powerful and strong. And, and then, that, yes, and then I caught after him. And they... God is with him. We want a piece of this action. <laughs> That's exactly it. Craig, it's so funny. People are the same. Yeah. People are the same today as they were 4,000 years ago. You better believe Abimelech was, you know, get out, right? Don't let the, what do they call it, the ox cart hit you on the way out, right? Now he's like, Isaac! <laughs> Isaac, my best friend! Let's, let's have a deal. Let's make an agreement. Let's make Come an agreement. On. Look. We didn't hurt you, so you don't hurt us. This is exactly (laughs) it. This is exactly it, right? I'm feeling Godfather business here, you know. When when Abimelech did come, I think uh, it looked like Isaac was thinking, you know, that 
they both had kind of ill feeling yeah. toward each other, I think. And then fortunately they were able to resolve and then have yeah. peace. You know, mm -hmm. Cause you know, Impimilac told him to get out of here, go away, you're too far. Well. And uh, Isaac said, why are you coming to me since you sent yeah. me away? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why are you coming? Like, seeing him come over the hill, like you gotta be kidding me. It's this guy. This guy again? He's like, yeah, we just had to dig a bunch of wells that you guys Yeah, send him a bill for the wells. <laughs> yeah. I think the kind of the end is also, you know, the end of 26 is important too because we want to know, well, here, first, in the last chapter, it, we kind of wrap up Ishmael and kind of understand, again, for, for students of history and the period here, Ishmael and his descendants are going to go on to be people that inhabit the kind of the southern uh, region, maybe Arabia. In fact, um, mm -hmm. even uh, Arabian uh, culture says Ishmael is the father of their people, 12 tribes, just like Jacob, uh, 12 mm -hmm. tribes of Jacob. Mm -hmm. um, but so we kind of wrap that up in a nice package. Now we got Esau here. I'm going to tell you. Edom was one of the sworn enemies of Israel for their entire history. One of their bitterest of enemies. They worshipped gods that you may or may not have heard, like Molech, the god of sacrificing your children to fire. They were, they, there was some Baal worship. Certainly, there's a reason why the author of Hebrews says, you know, that you know, Edom, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, I don't want to get this wrong. Yes, Esau. It was Esau. Um, were godless. Uh, they tried to pull away the Israelites from their worship of Yahweh. And so here we've got at the very end, when Esau was 40 years old, he married two Hittites. Here's a really cool thing of history. The Hittites, remember those were, you know, again, Esau's brides are Hittites. There was, there was a Hittite who Abraham bought his field from in Mamre mm -hmm. to, to build his cave of the patriarchs, mm -hmm. the Hittites have a story from 4,000 years ago where God rewarded a man, now in their culture it's called Apu, I think, or something to that effect, who had two sons. One was wicked and one was noble, but the noble one was the younger one. And so God mm -hmm. blessed the younger one by inheriting all of Apu's wealth and the older one didn't how do you think that story got started because mm. you would say as a student of history because esau told them of what happened to him esau told his wives you know what happened to me i got blanked by that brother of mine and he got everything and i got nothing and for generations thousands of years after that hittites had this story of that exact thing happening mm. And that explains yeah. to you as an Israelite, why is there so much enmity between us? Well, guess what? Because of that. What do we take home here? Mike, what's our, this whole thing, what's our take home application here? Well, there's, I mean, there's I mean, various different things yeah. we take home. Uh, it's going to happen in God's way, mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter what what we try. Um, there, but there's, like I said, there'll be adversity along the way. Mm -hmm. um, it's not. It's not going to go. Yeah. 
necessarily smoothly mm-hmm. or of course it doesn't help when you don't you know when you lie to people about who's your <laughs> wife and you know it's like well, yeah. God sent you here maybe if you just we all do it though yeah. I mean right we yeah. it's it's easy to we, we try to be faithful we try to do the right thing but then we like we get caught up in in the world around us yeah. and uh we don't always do the things we mm-hmm. should, and then that makes it a very rocky road. Yep. So, um, I guess that's kind of one that's of the good. big ones. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So. God's purposes are fulfilled even with sinful man, even with sin. He uses sin for good. That's a good one. This is, yeah. this is hard for us, Craig, to understand. Mm-hmm. Because you think, and the devil makes you think this, if I sin... I'm screwing it all up. Mm-hmm. The the righteous path is the is God's path. Mm-hmm. But God knew when he made us we weren't going to be perfect. He's yeah. using our imperfections in his plan. This is it is it is a paradox it is hard for people to understand. By making these choices, although you don't say go out and make bad choices on purpose, don't worry about your mistakes and we call them mistakes don't worry about your flaws your imperfections why because God can use them in fact he does he expects to use them you are who you are today because of, one could say not because of your successes but because of your failures God has used those it's weird to think about and God is the author and perfecter of your faith here he's yes. making Isaac strong in his faith he's building up his faith mm-hmm. with the things he's doing he's telling him about sharing in the covenant that he gave to his father. Yes. And he too will be a part of that promise. Mm-hmm. So he's making him secure in that covenant. So. That's great. Like It's going to be okay, Isaac. Yeah. Don't worry, bro. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just it's just another uh, example of how God provides mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. them. And it may not feel fair. I think that's the other thing, too. We, we get caught up, and I'm guilty of this, too, of there's injustice in the world, right? Now, you could look mm-hmm. at this as Esau. Um, uh, you could look at this as some of the sons of Jacob, that it wasn't fair. Why? Mm-hmm. You could look at this like Ishmael did. It's mm-hmm. not fair. Mm-hmm. Why did the younger one get it? Mm-hmm. Why is he blessed and not me? Mm-hmm. But it's still part of God's plan. It was still part of God's plan. And I think what God is outlining here is, look, it may not seem fair to you, but if you trust me, what did Ishmael do? (laughs) Ishmael and Hagar, Hagar especially, went to God and and said, I think this is unfair. Mm -hmm. I want you to give me some kind of blessing. And what did God do? He did. He did it. Yeah. Because Hagar was faithful enough and brave enough and why I would say wise enough to go to God and say help me you sought mm-hmm. God's counsel mm-hmm. because when we seek God's counsel he will bless us whether we think it's fair or not it might not go the way we think but it's still a mm-hmm. blessing and now Ishmael is the father of a great nation mm-hmm. how about you Laura? he didn't make everything equal but he That's blessed it. everybody that's it. It was a common grace yes. kind of that everybody yes. benefited, but you know, it, you can't compare what you, That's you have compared to the next That's guy. It. It's just either, either were blessings, though. So. 
Craig, how can you fix that? (laughs) We're all guilty of that. I mean, goodness, I just look at my neighbor. I'm like, why does he get six acres, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and it just, you know, we shouldn't covet what others have. That's it. That's what, you Mm -hmm. know, take home on that, I guess. I like that. But God never forbidden, forbid, forbid, forbid. Ishmael could have served God his whole life, Mm -hmm. and his life could have turned out very different. And his descendants. God never said, even though you're not blessed, that means you can't follow me. You know, same with Mm -hmm. Esau. Esau could have followed God his whole life. And And I would say, not even you're not blessed. I'm just not giving you this thing. But if you would come to me, I would bless you. I'm just going to give you that thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. wasn't some destitute guy, like, apparently not. The side of the road. No, I mean, apparently he not. Had a, mm-hmm. It says he was, you know, had mm-hmm. quite a bit of things. And, you know, then when, I mean, we're going to find this out later, but when Jacob meets Esau again, mm-hmm. Esau's not hurting either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? God mm-hmm. does bless them still. But, yeah, I think that goes to, like, the, you know, is it fair? I think we all yeah. have the same opportunity to serve yeah. God and and be blessed and and I'm not calling this a prosperity gospel I'm calling this a blessing gospel if you serve God you will be blessed you may not get what you think you deserve mm-hmm. you better hope you don't get what you deserve <laughs> <laughs> but I think like certain people are blessed with different things right yes. like I think we envy what other people's blessings yes. are like other people are blessed with being able to speak in yes. front of people or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not really gifted in that area. I'm gifted in a different area. Like, mm-hmm. But God gives us the blessings that he knows that we yes. need. Right? Can and that yes. can be most effective for serving his purposes. That's it. If you love God and you're faithful to him, it's not about you. This is hard for us to understand. It's about the kingdom. It's about serving our Lord. And if we can, And I'm working on this too. I have to empty myself of what I expect for me. Mm-hmm. Point is to serve the kingdom. Maybe I'm where I'm at because God wants to use me for the kingdom. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not in this other place that I think I deserve or think I should be because that wouldn't work. That's not my place. Mm-hmm. That's hard for us to understand. It kind of goes back to maybe that story with Cain and Abel, where mm-hmm. you know that uh, Abel made a sacrifice which is yeah. accepted by God, and Cain wasn't so much. Yep. You know the. the vegetables or the fruit yes. of the ground. King was the plant guy. Let's and, just call it what it is. And then, uh, yeah, and then he just said, you know, you have sin couching, yes. crouching at your door. You need to master this, yeah. you know, and you will be okay if you just continue and, you know, mm-hmm. be faithful. And, yes. you know. But anyway, he didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. But God still blessed him when he sent him when he sent him away and gave him some protection so that he wouldn't be killed. This is know? an excellent point, Craig. We'll end on this. Cain is an excellent example of if you try and serve God, if you make an attempt to have a relationship with your creator, God, he will take care of you. You may not go the route you thought. You may not get what you think you deserved. In Cain's case, he still was blessed. He committed the first act of murder on this whole planet because he was a jerk. But we're all jerks. And God still blessed him. I love ending on that. Trust trust in God, and he will bless you. It may not look mm-hmm. like what you think, but he will bless you, and in the end, the kingdom will be glorified. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks. Mm-hmm.